listening to dropping the mic the realest sports talk show period i am your host laron fields and i'm joined by my super duper co-host brent wilson we are definitely recording live from the alamo top really studios realty studios in this episode of dropping the mic it's always what it's about sports and everything that's been happening my man brent what it is with you my man man everything is good over here man hey lebron on the cusp of his fourth championship you know Florida State finally won. That felt good, even if it was Jacksonville State. You know, college football is heating up. The sports world is getting even better. You know, baseball's in the playoffs. We got a hockey champion. So, you know, a lot of good things going on in sports. And, you know, it's what we do here. We break it down for the people. Well, you know, it's funny that you're getting excited about a Jacksonville State win. When I, I'm not going to kick you while you're down, but more have the mighty fallen, fallen, fallen. And, and you mentioned something else. This is what disgusts me about you LeBron fans. It's always about LeBron. Uh, excuse me. He plays for the Lakers. He is not on the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Miami Heat. It ain't about his fourth championship. It's about the 17th championship of the Lakers organization tying the Boston Celtics. Well, let me give you this, right? Every time LeBron struggles, you like, let me get you LeBron lover. Let me give you something because you want to break me down on LeBron when he plays bad. So if you're going to break me down when he plays bad, I'm going to give my credit when he's about to get a championship. I get it for the Lakers in 17, but, hey, I wasn't a fan of the Lakers for the first 16, so I'm going to celebrate the 17, but I'm going to celebrate LeBron fourth first. Listen, I break him down because y'all give him the title, the GOAT, the King, whatever. Y'all want to anoint him, and he ain't even had breakfast yet. Point is, he plays for the Lakers, sir. He needed us more than we needed him. I know that sounds crazy. No, uh, no. Oh, yeah, let, let me break this down, sir. Every 10 years or so, the Lakers make it to the finals. Even when Kobe had busted up squads, we made it to the NBA finals. So it was a match made in heaven, I should say that, because okay. we did need, we needed a star, and it have, LeBron was available, and we got him. But don't ever try to put LeBron over the Lakers, because even when he's gone from the game, it's a Lake show, baby, all day. Every day. Of course, teams don't leave. So that's that's an <laughs> easy argument. It ain't like, oh, teams going to retire. Teams going to be gone. Of course, they're going to still be there. But like I said, I'm not saying they needed LeBron more, but LeBron didn't need them more either. Let, let me ask, let me ask this question. Roster where, hold on. He's going to put championship roster wherever he goes. And when we say, hey, when they got there with Kobe, Kobe and Shaq came to the Lakers and did what they did. Magic, Shaq, whoever. They all did it. LeBron's going to get credit for doing what he did for the Lakers. So it was like you said, I can say mutual, but don't act like LeBron just was not successful if he didn't come to L.A. That's not no, that. It, it, that is not what I said. What I'm saying is y'all always make it seem like you just said right now, and you probably didn't catch yourself. He's going to build a championship roster. He ain't built nothing. That was Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson. So my point is, because don't forget, he, he, he ran off half the roster. So we had to go it get them. Out well. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, it did. I'm, again, I'm not mad. I'm pointing out the facts. Fact is, he needed us. We needed him. It worked, but we're we're not gonna put LeBron before the organization. That's you all can't I'm put saying. Any player before the team, but as a fan, you're gonna talk about the player before the no, team if you're, if you, you're a fan you, of the player more. You can put a player in in front of the organization when that player is homegrown for the organization, right? Yeah, He's a hired gun. Lakers. He's 
don't don't be blasphemous. Let, let's just keep this going because we'll be here a whole hour. Arguing. He's not he's not oh, Kobe oh, for the Lakers. Oh, he's I not. thought I thought you said he's like Kobe, Kobe for the Lakers. The Lakers is more what LeBron meant to Cleveland. Yeah, he'll never be definitely Kobe. definitely. Like, he'll never be Magic. He'll never be those guys. I would be foolish to even try to put him on that level. That's yeah. It's okay. Not even a conversation. I, I can I can let's put a pin in it there. I can live with that statement. That's good with me. But you mentioned it. A lot has gone on in the sports world. For example. Last, uh, this week, the Seattle Storm wrapped up uh, their second WNBA title, sweeping the Las Vegas Aces in sweeping fashion. And it was a shock, but it was, it was more shockingly how it happened. And, and, and that, so now their season's done. They move on to their offseason. MLB's in the playoffs. Um, I know you're a fan of certain teams somewhat, or you have a lack of love for one team called the Astros. I myself being an LA kind of guy, I, I don't. I just want to see if the Dodgers can make the World Series and win. All I know they do is choke. Clinton Kershaw goes bananas in the regular season, and MIA in the postseason. So let's hope that changes. You got young cats, you got old cats. Everybody's balling the playoffs, and it's in bubble. That's yep, crazy. And you know what's funny? You sound like me talking about. I'm a Braves fan. That's what I roll with. Remember the '90s? We were great till we got close to the World Series and we would choke. That's what the Dodgers remind me of. And yeah, Astros. I'm not a fan of them. But it's just funny because, you know what, everything they've been through with all, you know, all the penalties, all that, you know what happened with all that. Mm -hmm. And then um, they get in with a losing record, and they're on the point of finna, uh, sweep the Oakland A's. So they're making a run for it. I just want to see how far they can go because I know it just piss off the sports world. They're really mad at them. So I'm just interested to see what that does. But I'm hoping the Braves can pull it out. You know what I mean? They're moving down the line from baseball. Tennis, French Opens in the semifinals. Women's side is, is bizarre. I'll put it that way. Half the people there in the, in the semis I've never even heard of. So we'll break that down more once they finish. In the men's business as usual, Djokovic running through to the semis, Nadal as well. Only upset was Dominic team, but the two people want to see a Djokovic and Nadal, and they like they'll play in the final. So the French Open's rolling along nicely. Well, not if he keeps saying it's bizarre, then we don't know who's going to play in the finals. It's, you know, sports has been crazy in 2020, but we'll we'll take your word for it. We also had the NFL draft happen this week. Um, I NHL. couldn't tell you. I couldn't. What I say? NFL. Oh, sorry, NHL draft. Sorry, hockey. I um, couldn't tell you a thing about a single player <laughs> other than what I read, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know. All I will say is this. I have love for the NHL, right? I love the fact that it's hockey. It's different. It's fast-paced. It has action. Um, and what I've tried to commit to, Brent, <clears throat> and I'm going to challenge you on this, I, I wanted to pick a team that I could follow for the entire season. So I'm going to challenge you to find one team out of all the teams in NHL that you could just kind of keep an eye on. I'm not saying you got to be a diehard and watch every game. Just, you know, follow here and there, see what happens. I did this last year with a friend of mine, and I end up – I put – I literally put like eight teams in a hat and picked one out. And as luck would have it, I picked the L.A. Kings. So okay. I'm going to roll with the Kings and see, you know, how they do next season, whenever that is and starts. We'll find out and let you know. And you come up – you tell me – when the, before the season starts, you tell me what NHL team you're going to roll with for the year. Okay, no, I can do that. Because, I mean, like you said, I can watch hockey for the simple fact that if you ice skated, you understand the skill. Like you said, you like the speed. And in the playoffs, they bring that physicality. You know, it's more, more physicality, get a little more fights. But that's what this intensity, so you could have, has, that sport has a playoff feel that separates it from the regular season. Because, you know, all sports you like, sometimes, no offense to baseball, I'm like, well, the first round, the second round kind of feels like the regular season. Hockey, the intensity goes up. So, yeah, I, I can get a team and get behind yeah. that just, you know, so we can have something to go back and forth on. I like that. Definitely. And well, you mentioned with baseball, right? And that's why the Astros are having success. It's the first two rounds. They like, they drew the Minnesota twins who have like an 18 game losing streak in the playoffs. That's a practice. And so beating the A's, they they've always had their number. So they're right where they should be. Now it's time to get to work. And if people want to get mad, 
shut them up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they cheated. We know they cheated. You got pitchers. They got pitchers. They got batters. You got batters. Deal it. Beat them. So, all right, on into the association, the National Basketball Association. That is the finals. Let's update you on what's going down. The series right now is 3-1 Lakers over the Miami Heat. We went through game one in swooping fashion for the Lakers. Game two, another beat down. And then game three happened. Brent, I know you have some thoughts on game three. What, what are your thoughts for game three? Miami's well, victory. First, I'll say uh, I feel bad for Miami because I like the grittiness they have, right? And then with Bam getting injured in game one and then Dragic in game one, neither one of them played in game two or three. I was like, hey, this is probably going to be another dominant win for the Lakers because the Heat are just beat up. You know what I mean? Sometimes injuries happen at the most unfortunate times. I've seen it happen to LeBron. You've seen it happen to many great players and great teams. So, you know, it, it happens. It's part of sports. But I thought Lakers would dominate. But two, I got two things on that. First, Lakers, did, Lakers came out like they did in game three against Denver, game one against Houston. You know, hey, we got a lead or we're comfortable playing this team. So we're, we're going we're gonna to win, but we're going to do it at our own pace. Not that I'm going to step on your throat. Kobe and Shaq Lakers when they went 16 and won that year, or when the Warriors with Durant, when they just tried to stomp everybody, they had that laid-back approach to the game. Miami came out, punched them in the mouth early, made it a game. Then if, if you don't, if you take it too lightly, you give the refs a chance to do what refs do, and they started favoring the underdog. Miami, and I don't complain about refs because the refs are not why they lost. It was a Lakers effort. But I'm going to put this, the refs did not help the Lakers in one bit. Every call that could have went 50-50 or helped change the game, Miami got all of them. But listen, listen. They earned the win still. I, I hear you, but you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. The, the, that game clearly goes on Anthony Davis. As, as a fan, like we both have watched basketball long enough to know two things. You're never going to get a sweep in the NBA Finals. That's not good for business. Number two, I'll beat, I will agree the refs were, you know, 50 50 calls went to Miami, but the Lakers did not play well. They showed up as if they didn't have their business hat on like they did in game four. They literally had were men on a mission. I looked in AD's eyes from my TV to him in Orlando. I didn't see a soul in there, sir. I didn't see that guy that was like, oh, yeah, seize the moment, carpe diem, because he's never been in this moment. And that's why LeBron was frustrated. He's been frustrated with AD to the point where he's, like, showing it for once. Like, man, like, what are you doing? Uh, okay, can you at least rebound? Like, I'll give AD credit for this. He had some moments where he was in and out, and I put this on Vogel. And I'll tell you why in a second, where he was checking in and out. But towards the end stretch, last four minutes of the game, he was playing defense. It gave him one task. I need you to rebound, play defense. We'll get you buckets when we can. So for me, why I'm mad at Vogel is because he hasn't put AD in a situation to, to get out of him his own way, right? Like put him in the mid post, put him in the high post. How about we make him the point guard? You know, have we tried, like, let's switch roles. Let AD run the offense from the top of the key, put Braun on the block, and see how Miami adjusted that. We haven't made any adjustments against the zone whatsoever, and that's what's got us in trouble in game three. We just thought we were going to show up and win. No, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and and I'm, I'm okay with the Vogel take, but Vogel's been Vogel all year. Vogel hasn't made great adjustments. He's made some good ones. Sometimes he took him three games and moved his starting lineup around. He's made some late adjustments instead of making them right on time. But we can't expect him to get AD in the right positions. We can't expect him to tweak it and try things. He's just not built like that as a coach. You know, you got, you got to be honest with who you are as a coach. But did you watch? I know you watched AD on the block. 
He getting he getting fronted again, bumped by Jimmy Butler, the ball goes over his head. J- Crowder pushing him four feet off the paint. I'm like, Anthony Davis, my friend. If Crowder and Jimmy Butler can guard you posting up, then there's nothing to say to defend you. These are shooting guards, and Crowder may want to be a power forward, but he's a small forward. He's a stretch he, forward at best. At best. He can't guard any big. He can't guard anybody that plays big. AD can't even get a comfortable shot off on him in th- game three. I think I think the moment hit him, and like you said, he's never been there, and he froze. And LeBron kept trying to force feed him. They tried to force feed him. At a certain point, if the man's not ready, you can't force feed him. And at that point, I knew we were doomed, but LeBron tried to pull us out. I mean, LeBron didn't play great either. I'm not giving him a pass, but eight turnovers doesn't – you don't get a pass. So he was bad too, but he was enough to make it competitive when AD was just – but AD – Listen. LeBron was effort turnovers. AD was just – Thank it, you. There wasn't any effort. So if you're playing yeah. hard, you get turnovers. If you're just out there going through the motions – that's the problem. Then in game four, you want to turn it on. I don't like this AD off and on switch. When you said he was soft early first round, I'm like, is he really? Bro, he, you're right. He has moments where he's just completely soft because you shouldn't be seven foot and get bullied to the point. What does he have at halftime? Five points, four turnovers, three fouls. That cannot be a superstar set line in any half of any NBA Finals game, period. This is why I've always been like, I, I don't want to trade the farm in the future for AD because he's not that guy. Like, I would be comfortable, and I'm saying this loud and clear, I'd be comfortable if the Lakers didn't extend him or resign him. I would. Take that. Think, I look at it this way, right? I keep looking at this Miami Heat squad. They're a bunch of vagabonds. They got one superstar and a bunch of pips. And it's like, that's where I get frustrated with the NBA. Sometimes we overanalyze, we overthink. If you look at some of the tea leaves this week, they talk about the Lakers being top-heavy with AD and LeBron and not too bottom light. Look at the cast of characters. Remember this. Kawhi Leonard extended his entire free agency period to the last minute, to the point where other free agents the Lakers wanted to put around him if he came to L.A. with LeBron and A.D. into place, and they all signed with other teams, leaving us with the people we've had. Listen to this. We signed Danny Green, who's been disastrous. We signed uh, Avery Bradley, who was promising but did not go to the bubble. And then we re-signed KCP, who's significantly stepped up, especially in game four. Then you look at, we signed um, Markeith Morris. We signed um, Dwight Howard. We signed uh, Rajon Rondo back on a vet minimum. We have three dudes making a total of $9 million combined. Oh, we signed uh, Cousins, right? But he got hurt early, so that was done with. But the three of our last signings that were for the cheapest amount possible have been stellar for us that that's what's amazing like Morris is he's playing great minutes right now and even going to the with the J.R. Smith signing like even going that far he, he's gotten some minutes in this finals he hasn't been extremely productive he's in a couple threes maybe one two um but it's it's the the fact that those signings are killing it and so it's like I'm looking at this NBA and this heat team we really don't need AD I know that sounds crazy in People don't – you just got to find a collective group of talent that can ball. Because sometimes I, I saw when AD was out and LeBron could go, you know, with the team he had on the floor, the lane opened up for him. When the AD's in there, they play that boxing one. They try to wall off LeBron, and they try to contain AD, and he's not built for that low post action. Exactly. He just doesn't make, like, in-game adjustments. Like, I'm like, AD, make a defense read. Hey, spin off there for the alley-hoop back door. The little things I think he should be able to pick up, he doesn't. But anyway, shout out KCP because that three to put up Lakers up five with two minutes left in that layup to put them up seven with less than a minute and a half, that was big time. And you're right. The funny part, like you said, about those signings, right? 
uh, KCP, what he stepped up and done, and then particularly Markeith Morris, because we wanted Marcus, right? Everybody wants the other yeah, brother, yeah. he's the better of the two. We got Markeith after the fact, because we couldn't get Marcus, he chose the Clippers, and he's been huge. So those two signings right there, that, like you said, were more last minute, just, hey, we still got to fill out the roster, or let's get this trade, because we didn't get who we want on the ball, Mark, let's get another one. They, were, hey, they may be the reason we win the championship, because Morris and KCP have been great, and Danny Green, and I have no disrespect for Danny Green and his, his journeyman career winning championships, but I'm saying this with the utmost respect. Dude, lately, the dude sucks. I can't even say it. It ain't lately. He had the, he had, he had the one year in Toronto where there was no pressure on him, nondescript year. He hit 39%, 40% from the three. But the, year before, the two years before that, when he was in San Antonio, people were like, get him out of here because yep. he wasn't even hitting the trash can. So he had an uprising in Toronto. He's back down to normal. If you can't hit threes at this lineup, then you don't need to be in the league. Done. So he here's my question to you. Is game five on Friday the last game of the NBA season or the prelude to game six? It's over. It is over. LeBron is locked in, two days of rest. They have no excuse to play 36 minutes. No, 40 minutes plus. AD LeBron, get it done. Take that championship back to L.A., bottom line. So I, I want to agree with you, my friend. My only question is you mentioned it. Vogel's not that kind of coach to make adjustments. You got to know who you are. And you're giving the Wizards Spolstra extra days to come up with a plan. I don't care if Bam plays. I don't care if Dra Gordon Dragons plays. I think they're playing better without them in some spurts. Um, so for me, if, if AD can play like he did in games one and two, it is definitely over. If he doesn't show up with urgency, I don't know if you saw this, but LeBron, LeBron sent a text and it said, must win. That's all it said. And that was for last night's game, game four. If they don't come with that same injury, they got to start fast, put them to bed early, and, yeah, it's over. And I already think the series is over regardless. Even if it goes seven, but I don't think it's going to go seven. Um, it's over. It's been a fun season. Let's title town, Tinseltown, let's make it one again. All right, moving on. We've, we've exhausted the NBA. We're on to some more football. Let's go collegiate style. We had a situation this past weekend, Brent, where North Dakota State University – wanted to host Central Arkansas for a showcase game for their quarterback, Trey Lance. Now, he's supposed to be, right now, he's projected to be top three quarterbacks in the 2021 draft. I'm not certain he's shown enough to be that guy. I don't want them to set him up for failure is my point. Because you see this all the time. They hype up a guy, they hype up a guy. He's coming from the FCS. He hasn't really played that much tough competition. They brag about, oh, he threw 287 passes and never threw an interception. But when you look at his numbers, let's take his numbers from just this Central Arkansas game. He was 15 of 30, which is 50% passing for you math juggernauts, for 149 yards, which is just slightly under three yards per pass. Subpar. Subpar, right? Or sorry, 10 yards per pass. And two TDs in his first interception ever. He had 15 rushing attempts for 143 yards. Don't know if you caught the highlights, but he looked like he was a running back. I had to look at the, re the highlights twice. I'm like, is that Trey or the running back? Because he has nice size. Don't get me twisted. But it's like he runs better than he passes. So why would you say he's the number three pick when you got other quarterbacks like Jamie Newman, who opted out from George, who could actually pass and still scoot out the backfield? I just don't want the hype to overtake this young man because – the hype is real and it's cruel. We see that with Dwayne Haskins, who we'll get with it later. So I ask you this. Have we seen enough for him to be a top three pick? 
definitive no. Hey, the kid is talented. We're not discussing that. He's talented. I hadn't seen enough arm strength. Hadn't seen enough arm accuracy. I hadn't seen him play against enough top talent to see if he has those skill sets to be able to do that consistently. I think more games, even if it's not the top level competition, is going to give you a better feel for that skill set. So I think he's hurting himself by opting out because that was his last game. He's going in, like you said, 15 for 30 is not good. Two touchdowns, one interception is very average at best, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, those are not top three quarterback numbers. And I mean, like I said, just one game. So I, that's what I'm saying. I hadn't seen enough to say he's ready. From what I've seen, I think he needs more grooming, more time, more time in an offense. Because, like you said, you get the hype. You start, like, I guess the way, look, you get hype, you settle a little bit, right? It's like, hey, I'm that guy. I've earned this. I'm ready. So if you got the chip in your shoulder, hey, they don't think I'm that guy. Let me work a little bit harder. Let me go a little harder. Let me put a little bit more practice in. But you get that, I'm that guy. Okay, I can take it easy a couple of days and this and that. And you don't prepare the same way. So I wanted him to play more to prepare the right way because I'm scared, like you said, if they anoint him, he won't prepare like he needs to prepare to try to be a top three quarterback. See, I, I disagree with that. Let me play devil's advocate. Because he's he's leaving college because he doesn't want he's leaving now because he doesn't want to play in the spring season that they, they have coming up, because that's when it's draft time. So I hear what you're saying, but he's also in this day and age, you're gonna go get an agent, they're gonna put you with the best trainers get you right, work on all your deficiencies that you can't really work on in college. So I get that. I, my only thing is I don't want the hype to get them. I think it's a smart move. You have to go when the, when the iron's hot. Do you remember, it was like four or five years ago, when you had 12-gauge down in Ohio State, and um, it was like four-quarterback race, and two of them got hurt, and he got the start. I can't think of the man's name off the top. Uh, uh, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. So he opted to return to Ohio State, right? The next year, after, after winning – uh, the national championship game and looking uh, looking great. He returns back to Ohio Cardell State. Jones. Cardell Jones, yeah. Yep. He, he returns back to Ohio State, and he lost the starting job. He was so, bad after he came back. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't that he was bad. Don't forget they lost Herm. They lost a lot of things. They lost the offensive coordinator. It wasn't the same system. So they went away from what he was good at and went – back to what JT Barrett was good at, and it wasn't good for him. So had he left that year, he would have been a top three pick. So he leaves Ohio State, gets drafted like in the seventh round, bounces around the league, no longer in the league. And that's what I'm, I'm like, if you're, if you're Trey Lance, you don't want that. But at the same time, you want to go high enough. And in this draft, we know what, if you look at the NFL, not, there's only like two teams that need a quarterback right now. No, that's fair. Indianapolis, Chicago, and then I guess what we'll talk about here in a second, Washington, so three. So if you may not land in one of these places that has to have you start right away. So maybe you sit for two years, and then you're NFL ready, ready. No, no, I'm with you. That one meaning that this is not the right move. I meant um, more, more I meant like, hey, don't have a chip on your shoulder because they're saying you're a top three already quarterback that you don't put in the same work. You're going to get, like I said, the top trainers, top workouts with the, the work on all your deficiencies. I agree. But – it's, it got to be you mentally saying, hey, I know how this is my weakness. How hard you going to go? You can have all the best training. If you don't got the, if you don't got the grind in you to do it, I just want to make sure the kid grinds. And I don't know the kid's personality, so I can't, I'm not going to throw him on the bus and say, hey, he don't have it. 
because I hope he has it. I just want him to make sure he put that work in. I find this funny coming from a Patriots fan who tried out a quarterback that was a god awful on Monday Night Football. And you gonna talk about this man don't have work ethic? Do you hey, even the, the, is the, that a prerequisite in the NFL? I thought you just. Well, no, I, no, no, no. I'm not putting it on you. I'm saying you're a fan of a team that trotted a man out there who you uh, look. I hate this NFL when it comes to an athletic quarterback. We want to put them on a standard and a pedestal of well, they better have the IQ and this, that, and the third. But then you get Brian Hoare going out there and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Nathan Peterman, who throws nothing but interceptions, but yet we want to criticize everybody else's game. Like those two dudes, three dudes have a job. You don't need anything but a, a heartbeat and a pulse. COVID won that week. COVID won. Listen, that week. you can COVID all you want. See, that defense showed up, and they have six guys that opted out. So I don't want to hear the excuses. Look, let's react more to the the games that were last week. Alabama. Here's my question: Is Alabama a man or a machine? Nick Saban has built a program that operates like a machine. A Saban Saban has it down. He knows exactly what kind of recruits he wants. People could say you get lucky recruits. Okay, you get lucky here and there. But if you know what you're looking for, you know what you're recruiting to, and you do it every year, at a certain point, we stop saying he's getting lucky recruits. Saban built the recruits for his system, how he wants to operate. He he brings his coordinators year after year after they leave that fits what he wants to do. That's a machine operating. If you can get the new coordinators every year, barely skip a beat. Freshmen, sophomores coming in at linebacker, D-line, barely miss a beat. If you do this every year, at a certain point, the head of that machine who's running it is doing something right consistently. And I'm giving them credit because I'm not an Alabama fan, but I'm trying to be a realist because Nick Saban does it every year with everything around him changing. I I wholeheartedly agree. He is the Bill Belichick of college football. They – it's not a year that goes by they don't lose an assistant to another program and they don't do anything but reload and keep it moving. They are COVID proof. They're pandemic proof. They're injury proof. Even when Tua went down, they found a way to get things done. Or even when they lost that game last year, they didn't lose by much. So I'm with you, man. I have nothing but respect for Alabama. They are the gold standard for college football. Next up, they call it the Big 12. I call it the WAC 12 because, boy, you can't tell me nothing. OU and Texas are your best two teams in your conference. And right now, they're not looking too good, Brent. What do, what do you think about the Red River Water Pistol shootout coming up Saturday? They both should have two losses. Both. They, well, oh, OU has two losses. I know, but Texas should have it. Well, they okay, got gotcha. They got lucky that two weeks ago and last week, last week they got what they, they should have got. But – um. I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a step back to COVID, right? When COVID hit, the, we already talked about this a lot. The Big 12 doesn't play defense, so your defense system is not great. OU or Texas, so now you lost time to get your defense ready. And I mean, I don't know if this this is how it worked, but I feel like you come back, you got a shortened time, so like, hey, we're already offense built. Let's get offenses ready. Let's get offense ready. So you got to get your offense ready. The offense is not clicking like it always clicked, right? So you're not scoring 70 points. Now you're scoring 30, 40, whatever. You usually give up 30 or 40. Now that your defense, your offense is not scoring 70, you're having these hiccups, interceptions here and there, just mistakes that you didn't have as long as a training cap to fix, and your defense has never been good, and I'm guessing you probably focus less on defense. Now your offense and defense, both of them are not solid, you know, because your offense is waving, your defense always sucks. If you don't play defense in a conference and you're built to only play offense, after COVID, you're going to be worse. And I think we're seeing that because now it made the plan for the Big 12 even for more teams because there's nobody that just stand out amazing. Outside of Texas and OU's recruits, their on-field production is nothing special. So all I hear is excuses, because we just got through talking about the standard being Alabama. 
You can now add like Clemson and Ohio State that bunch to some extent, right? You're Texas. You get any recruit you want. You walk into their living room. So the question I ask you is two things or two questions. Is Tom Herman on the hot seat? And why is it they cannot groom or, should I say, develop their players better? I hear you when you say they don't play defense, but at Texas and OU, you should be able to do those things because you get the recruits you want to do those things. That's a philosophical system. That has nothing to do with talent. If you can't get that talent to get better and you're getting allegedly five stars, that's on you. That, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm 100%. That's what I'm saying. No, it's nothing to do with the talent they get. It's to do with the system. It's the coaching, the training, everything they're doing, the, co- the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach, all of them, however they're preparing their players, you have the same level as Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. What's the difference? That's what I'm saying. It's them. It falls on the coaching staff the people with hey, the strength and conditioning coaches, everybody's supposed to be putting in position to get on the field and perform. Like they don't make good reads on defense. Linebackers eyes are always looking the wrong places. Cornerbacks getting beat. Watch them play. What are you practicing? That comes down to coaching, training, prepping. They're not doing it on the same level as Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. They're All I want to know is where's Red McCombs? Cause he opened his mouth when Charlie Strong got hired and now he got his boy, Tom Herman. And I ain't heard from the man. So he can kick rocks, open toes and sandals. Next up, Game to watch this week. You already know what it is. It's a battle in South Carolina. We ain't talking about the Gamecocks. We're talking about Miami versus Clemson. My Canes, those Tigers. Right now, Clemson's favored to win by two touchdowns. And this is a huge test for Miami. I I feel like we're back. I like what I'm seeing from Eric King. This is our first real test. It's on the road. Will that travel with us? We've, tra- we've won a game on the road against Louisville, but Louisville's not Clemson. What I will say is Clemson has not looked like Clemson, COVID or not. Everybody's on the even playing field. Virginia did better against Clemson than I expected. You well, called I ex- it better I expected that. So no, you, I said, you called it. I said, no way Clemson still destroys them. You called that, so. So, I, again, I, I feel like there's a glimmer of hope. I'm not going to boast or brag and think, call, I'm calling an upset because, hey, I don't catch the ball. I don't throw the ball. I don't even call the plays. I'm sitting on the sideline from my TV watching like a fan, and I'm not going to be fanboy. I'm going to be like, look, I can't wait to watch. I think the game will be close. I just hope that Miami finds a way to pull it out. It will help turn the program around and even further. Right now we're at a 90 to 120-degree turnaround. A win like this puts us in a whole 360-degree turnaround. We also have the Florida State one-win <laughs> Seminoles this week playing the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame. So, uh, Fort Bend, Indiana, sorry. Brent, what, what do you have to say about your Florida State Seminoles? First, let me hit on the, the game of the week, obviously, because Florida State's not the game of the week. The Clemson-Miami game. I'm not going to go long on either one because I dislike both of them as much as you can dislike programs. So, hope Clemson loses. Think Clemson will win. That's all I'm going to give you on that one. Florida State, hey, you, I got, hey, I'm always positive. I'm going to keep it that way. I'm, I'm always a fan. I'm always locked in with them. We made the quarterback change. We put a quarterback in that can run. Not the greatest passer, but he brings a different dynamic. So, I got two things happening. Either we're going to come in there and be really competitive and hang close till halftime and make it a game, or we're going to walk in and get the doors kicked off immediately. It's no, hey, they're down by 10, hanging around. No, no. We're either going to be really close within three, or no damn going to run away with it because, you see, we known to get out there, get punched in the mouth in the first two minutes, and then just fold. So either we're going to fold immediately, or we're going to make it competitive. 
that's my so, take on that one. So my question, you, you, see, off the air, you gave more feedback than that. That was the Captain Crunch version of what you should have said, which is when you talked about some of your players not being productive, you want the youth movement to happen. If I were you, I'd be like, look, win or losing this game means nothing to me if we're not going to be consistent because you do have some guys that are underperforming. It, it Y'all are in a hot mess because I don't know what's – like, you've had three coaches and it's the same result. So, clearly, it's there's something in the water down there in Tallahassee that needs to be fixed because just not performing. But, but like you said, I mentioned something you mentioned. The start is the, is the youth movement. I don't care – like you said, I, I, like I said, if we either get blue or we're going to be close. I'm not paying attention to that. I mean, normally I'll be like, hey, Florida State's winning, right? I didn't come in with none of that false narrative, right? I just want us to keep playing young players. TFO lead a running back, TFO lead. ACC Rookie of the Week, finally, because he got a chance. Bringing these young four and five stars that you brought in that's playing behind four and five stars that are not producing. Act like Ohio State or other schools that be like, hey, I got enough talent. When you don't produce, you don't play. Don't stop letting these dudes play because they've been here for four years and they had, oh, they've been through so much with coaching change and so much with the program. So what? You're a football player. If you can't make tackles, you can't make reads, you can't cover, let the young guys get out there and try to cover. They can't be worse. I, yeah, I'd rather show them film and coach them up than to keep coaching up a veteran who knows better. Exactly. Listen, we can't waste our whole show on the Seminoles issues. That would be a soap opera. We ain't about them soaps. So next up is Tennessee at Georgia. I'm very peculiar about this game because I feel like Tennessee is finally taking steps to become the old Tennessee. Georgia had a good game this last weekend, but I don't know if it was good enough. Like, they, they beat Auburn, but I just – I feel like, okay, you got the upper hand. This week is a tone setter. It's Georgia for real. It's Tennessee for real. This should be a heavyweight kind of match. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for this. Look, I got – I know Auburn fans very well. They live, I got neighbors, diehard from Auburn. They didn't think they could beat Georgia. We never win in Georgia. We never go there and win. So that was their feeling. So Georgia looked great, but I think it's almost the expectation that they lose that game. Tennessee, mm-hmm. like you said, hey, slowly been building back to that old Tennessee – you know, Peyton Manning, you know, t- you know what Tennessee used to be. They finally starting to look something like that. I think they're actually starting to believe and turn around what the program was. You see how they've been recruiting. You see what they're doing on the field. I think Georgia wins, but I think it's going to be a really close game in this one. I'm rooting and pulling for Jeremy Pruitt and the volunteers, man, big time. Next up, Florida comes to Texas A&M. A&M has a rough schedule. They, got, they just played Alabama, and now you get a Florida. I think they go on the road to Georgia soon. They still got Auburn and LSU. Man, I'm picking Florida because last time I saw a Florida team come to A&M, it wasn't pretty. That was my cane. It was like a track meet, and there was nothing but heat from Florida. So, you know, they say the K-to-K connection is the thing. The Kyle, Kyle Trask the, to the other Kyle, the tight end, who's phenomenal, 6'6", 280, moves like a gazelle. Um, Kyle Pitts is his name. He had four touchdowns last week. I'm going with Florida. I don't even know if this is a game to watch the week, but it's an SEC matchup. It's East versus West. Florida, you know, can hold their dominance as their crossover game. If A&M loses this game, two questions I have. Can we stop talking about them? And is Jimbo Fisher on the hot seat? Yes and yes. And I about to agree with both of those. He's on the hot seat, and we need to stop talking about him for sure because I'm with you. Kyle Trask is for real. I liked him last year. Kyle Trask is for real. Second, I don't believe in Kellen Mond and a and what they're doing to offense. You saw him against Alabama. They had a couple good drives, and then they just went to what they go to normally. Deacon dump, no accuracy, just bad execution. I just don't think they're there. And I think Florida, like, listen, Florida right now, 
is the second best team in the SEC, I think, from what I saw. Their defense ain't near what Alabama's been performing, but that offense with trash, like I said, Pitts, they talk about Pitts for some Heisman stuff, so Pitts is doing it at that level. That offense is special. I really like what Florida's doing, so I think – I don't think this is close. Honestly, I don't think it's close. You know, I, Mond is a San Antonio kid. He went to a rival school. I hate bagging on the man because I don't trust Jimbo Fisher to save my life. If I had one breath needed from a stranger, wouldn't ask him for it. I, I don't know, like, because everyone's, it's easy to blame the quarterback, as you'll see, we get through the show. But I really want to know are you putting that quarterback in their best situation? Because Jimbo, even when he, he won one with Jameis, the year after that, we sucked, or not we, y'all sucked. I'm saying we's and Team Jameis. And it, it's been downhill from Jimbo since. And it's always excuses. You know, now you get to A&M. His recruiting's been – they say it's been good, but it, I haven't seen it. If Kellamond is that bad, put it – like you said for Florida State, put him one of your younger recruits. If he's that inaccurate, if he's not they, – they, they're questioning his leadership. Well, he doesn't lead like he should. That's on Jimbo. Pull him. Put in, the, put in your um, – I can't think – it's like Mankato or something – the dude, he, he got a three-star from Georgia. He hasn't pulled a five-star quarterback in AM yet. So you're supposed to be the guru. Either fix him or bring in the young guy. I don't want to hear you blaming mine. If he's starting because Jimbo's putting him out there, that's on Jimbo. Yeah, I got one question for you, just like you asked me. Hey, name the last time you sat down with anybody and talked about a recruit, game-changer recruit that Jimbo Fisher pulled in. Tell me James, one that you James Winston. Yeah, since then, name one. None. Exactly. He's getting a pass because he's getting four stars and some five stars. He did that everywhere. Name a four or five star that's uh, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, the running back uh, Najee Harris at uh, Alabama. Name one that you pulled in. So I don't want to hit a star rating anymore. Give me a recruit you pulled in if you're doing that well. But it's, no. big, it's bigger than that. Like they're getting five stars on defense. What I'm telling you, I don't care if you're a four star or five star. That's almost equivalent. Almost. Not saying totally. It's your system, your scheme. Are like there's two screen schools of thought. I was talking about this with somebody else. There are coaches who can come in and galvanize a program and give them energy because they put them in the best situations to excel. Then you have coaches that come in or that are there that say, "This is where we're going to do it because this is the way we run it, and this is how it's going to be." <clears throat> come high, hell or high water. And so you're not putting all your players in the best position for success. You're saying it's about you and not about them. And when you do that, these are the kind of results you get. You don't get production from everybody. You get inconsistent play. You get the 12 to 7 games. You get the – like, think about it. Alabama versus A&M, they killed them on the deep ball. They got beat on 80-yard touchdowns. Like, Alabama can beat you however you want it. They can slice the apple with a knife, with a fork, with a spoon. You put 12 in the box, we'll go deep. You put six in the box, we'll run it. You put – you know, even stack, spread them up. We'll slice you dice. I can give you, you the business however you want it. Preparation is execution. Well, not just it's, it's preparation it's, for yes. No, it, they're prepared. For I, no, I'm agreeing. They they're prepared, but they're also players know their roles. Players know where they got to be, how they got to be there. It's an expectation, and I just don't know if the jumbo communicates that very well. No, I agree. He doesn't put people in his system to win, like. Alabama puts people in the best position. His system is not built to come in and put you in a great position. It's built for like, hey, you better fit my system. I'm not adjusting to my personnel. He went to AM going off what he already went without changing his 
philosophies at all. Like adjust to your personnel. Use your schemes, but adjust them to your personnel. He doesn't do that, bottom line. All right. Well, moving on to the NFL, it's four down territory. And first up is first down. Oh, Brent, I couldn't wait for this segment. Your boy, Bill O'Brien, was fired or relieved of his duties as a GM and head coach. My question is, too late or not soon enough? Too late because he should have got fired before he got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. I know a lot of Texans fans. We live in San Antonio, right? I know a lot of Texans fans. I don't know one. I don't know one that was happy with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. It was a bust. His playoff coaching, bust. The dude's just been bad. His personnel moves, like you said, big game management. When he's using timeouts, he's made so many little mistakes that you have to get better at as you coach. He's been the same or maybe worse. This is this is long overdue, bottom line. You, you know, it's funny because I want, you know, everybody wants to put blame somewhere at all times. You can't be mad at you can't be mad at Bill O'Brien for being Bill O'Brien if people are allowing him to be Bill O'Brien. So I blame Cal McNair, who's the owner of the Texans, right? He signed off on the Down Hopkins trade. From everything I'm getting about this firing, is coming down to losing the players one and an argument he had with JJ Watt two weeks ago, and the final straw was losing to Minnesota. But if that's what your evaluation process is, you should have kept the man on until the end of the season as punishment. Now you give this man a free vacation, and you already know what's going to happen because it happens all the time with, with former Patriot coaches. They get fired, and then they move back up to New England. He'll go be the linebacker's coach, and all this hunky-dory. But now you fire the guy with 12 weeks, hopefully 12 weeks. We'll talk about that in a minute. Hopefully 12 weeks left in the season. And – you have no first-round draft pick, no second-round draft pick, and you have a team that's partly ready to compete. You name Romeo Cornell interim head coach, which, okay, kudos, but that's all you can do at this moment. You know, <coughs> you can't really do much else. You're, you're in the middle of rowing the boat in the lake. Like, you can't get out. It's still water. You could drown. Like, I don't get it. I'm with you. I know I'm with you, um... I don't know what the, like you said, I don't know if, like you said, the owner, I guess he didn't really have a plan. Because when you fired him, with nothing else to do, nobody to come in and write the ship. Like you said, Deshaun Watson, they're not really prepared to not just compete. But fire your coach this early says, hey, we're giving up on the season. We're done. We'll prepare for next year type move. And where are they going? What, what, what's the plan? How, how do you get better with this move? They don't get better. They got a lot of problems. I'll put it that way. They have a lot of problems. They don't have a lot of problems. They just have the one problem of no leadership. I'd say it all the time. And we'll That's talk about the Cowboys, right? Problem. Well, no, no, but I'm saying it's, it's management is, is if you have bad management, you, it's hard to win. So, no, again, he allowed this culture to go on for long, and now you cut the arm off at the wrist with the rest of the season to go, handcuffing your team. So either one or two things are going to happen. Either they're going to sink or they're going to swim. And what I mean by swim is they're going to galvanize under Cornell yep. and find a way to, you know, from another thing I've been hearing with Bill O'Brien, it is he's a lot like Jimbo and these other coaches that aren't finding success in 2020. My way or the highway. Hopefully right. the playbook opens up. Again, I get tired of people always telling me, well, does Sean Watson hold on the ball too long? I wonder why. Like, what's the play call? Like, I remember that one press conference where he was showing the – reporter the play and explaining why he's doing this that and the third and they're like oh so you do know what you're doing yeah he knows what he's doing quit i hate when people make these stupid 
infatuous things like, well, the quarterback's holding the ball too long, and you look at the receiver running these 20-yard routes. Well, what are you supposed to do, throw it at his back? Like, and then screen pass, there's not a hot read. Bill O'Brien did not install hot reads, and this is per Randall Cobb. He never even had hot reads for blitzes. When there was a blitz, they just ran the play as normal. There was never, okay, let me go to a hot because I know this backer's coming or they're doing a stunt. I want to catch them off guard. None of that. That's ridiculous. That's bad. So let me ask this question. Since we're on the Bill O'Brien topic and he's your former uh, New England Patriot coach, is, is there a thing with New England Patriot coaches? Right now they're unsuccessful. Bill O'Brien can. Josh McDaniels can. Matt Patricia's about to get canned because he's having the same problems, the same grumblings. Darius Slay came out and said – it's bad. Like, he, he thinks he's bigger than the program, and he doesn't know how to lead men, and he doesn't know how to communicate. That's always bad. That's the same thing I'm hearing from Bill O'Brien. So I'm like, these dudes leave New England thinking, like, snap fingers, let's get it. You're not Bill, you're not Bill Belichick. Exactly. That's the thing. They want to be like Bill Belichick. You think you'd study under him, you learn from him. I'm going to take his exact approach. You can't just go be Bill Belichick. You got to take qualities, you know, leadership things that Bill Belichick uses – Turn them to how you use leadership and then implement that. You can't just say, oh, this would be what Belichick would do. No, no, no. What would you do in a leadership situation based on leadership skills you've learned from a Bill Belichick or another great leader? You can't be them. You got to do it your way, which is use some of their philosophy. These coaches go out like, oh, no, we learn from Belichick. We have to be okay. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not like you said, it's no magic pill saying, hey, I'm going to go be around Bill Belichick, so I'm guaranteed to be good. Come on now. That's like saying I'm going to be a backup to a great quarterback, so when I get to start, I'm a great quarterback. No, no, no. You got to put in the work. You got to study. It's a lot more to it than just being around a great coach, and I think that's where we're missing that with them. They're not great coaches. They're in a great system. So uh, I will say the exceptions to that rule will be Brian Flores. So let me ask this question. Now that Bill's gone, we're looking at replacements. The top four replacement candidates, which one of them I don't think is a, even an option, and I hope not because I can't stand the man, is Dabo Swinney, current head coach of Clemson Tigers. We have Brian Dybul from Buffalo. He's their offensive coordinator. Greg Norman from Baltimore. He's their offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City. He's their offensive coordinator. And we have Robert Salah, the defense coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers. I ask you this, Brent, which of those four or five would you want to lead the Texans next year? I would, I would say Eric Bieniemy just because he's been around a mobile quarterback. Mahomes and Watson are not the same. I'm not comparing them. But he's been around a mobile quarterback. He's cre- his offense is creative, right? He tried to put skill position players in positions to succeed. He knows how to use a tight end. I would like to see him from the Chiefs. Listen, I can't agree with you anymore. I've said this from day one. The Texans should have fired Bill O'Brien at the end of last year and walked right across the field and said, yo, Eric, man. Uh, I will, let me holler at you real quick. Five years, what you say? About 40 mil? Is that what it's going to take to get you out of KC? I'll, we can ship ribs every week if that's what you're missing. That's what I would have done. Bill, Bill, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and Lane Kiffany. You don't need to get on this plane, boss. We got you a one-way first class on another airline. You ain't with us, homie. You done. And that would have kept you D-hop. You would have got a coach that could have used D-hop with Watson. You still could have added Randall Cobb. You could have, you know, found ways – but again, this is, this is what I don't want to happen. I don't want them to hire Airbnb if they're not going to have a GM in place that vibes with the coach. It's a vertical alignment. You have to have an ownership with the president, with the GM, with the coach that are on the same page with the same consequences. As a former Buck fan, I never saw that. I remember when Lovey Smith was a coach, he got thrown under the bus, and Jason Light 
got a free pass. They brought in the next coach. Jason Light brought in the groceries. The next coach, it was um, man, it wasn't it? It just slipped my mind. I had him. He went. He was um, uh, oh man, slipped my mind. Anyway, he was offensive coordinator. They didn't want to lose him to San Francisco, so they fired Lovey, brought him in. Results got worse. Jason Light was the one buying buying the groceries. Dirk Cutter, that's who the coach was. Uh, he got fired. Jason Light kept his job. They bring in um, what's my man down there now uh, with the, the ball cap? Arians. Hey, Bruce Arians, he's buying the groceries. Jameis Winston gets fired. Jason Light keeps a job, and he keeps it because he got Tom Brady down there. But he's been doing a piss-poor job, right? Uh, Bruce Arians and their crew, Todd Bowles, start identifying the right people for their system. The same thing you said. They get the young cornerbacks. They turn the defense somewhat around. They still ain't fixed, up, fixed the offense. They, their O-line's terrible. Yes, they got the outside weapons. They drafted a running back that didn't fit the personnel at the time. So there's a bunch of misses, but he's gotten a free pass. And we're on coach number three. So I don't want that for being to me because as a head coach, you want to be, be able to be the head coach and not solving people's problems and not being able to do it the way you need it done. If, if you could pick another coach out of these, this grouping, who would be your second choice? I'm going to go with uh, Robinson layout of San Francisco because I like what he did with that defense last year. Uh, when they made the Super Bowl run, I think he's a he, he's a great defensive mind. I mean, I try to look at coaches that I think um, you have a uh, really solid, like either you're offensive minded or you're defensive minded, and you know your weakness, right? Or you know your strength. So hey, I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna get a coordinator that fits my defense philosophies, but I gotta go out and get an offensive coordinator that's special because that's not my specialty. And I think he understands that because I know the 49ers defense is not what they were, but with the injuries they had and the way they're still being at least successful, they're not out of position. They're not making mistakes. They're just not as talented with the injuries. So I think he understands how to be like a defensive leader and would get a coordinator that can lead the offense. So I would like to see that one as my other one. Well, you're right, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. You, if, which way ever you go, offensive, defense, you just got to find the next best coordinator and, and have that be a fit and, and make it work, as well as special team coach. Moving on to Dwayne Haskins. He got benched this week in favor of – the offensive system experience guy, Kyle Allen, that, that was brought over from Carolina with Ron, when Ron Rivera left, he made the trade for him. Good move or bad move? I, I was torn. I was torn because um, I get what Rivera's doing. He's going with some like, couple in the come most comfortable in the system. But are you telling me four games with the, with the lack of talent on that roster? I mean, I know McLaren, and they're, and they're not terrible, but I'm like, with the lack of talent on that offense, did Haskins have enough time to be successful? I'm like, new system for him, right? New coach, new system, right? Four games. And, I mean, we, got, we heard enough about COVID, but take, take, up, take it to COVID. Less training camp, less practice, less everything. I give you four games, and I pull the plug. I think, I think it was too soon. Well, two things. You, now you just demoralize and devalue the man because not only did you bench him after four games with no prep, you're saying, I need someone who, again, coaches that do this don't succeed. I don't care how successful Ron Rivera has kind of been. This is the nail in the coffin. I don't need coaches who say, I need a guy who knows my system versus saying, this is my future quarterback. I need to get my system to fit him. When you don't do that, sir, and then you drop him down to the third string quarterback, that's, man, like, it, it's, it's crazy because now it's, it's, it's Kyle Allen and then it's Alex Smith. And now it's Dwayne Haskins, number three. So do you affect the trade value? Will anybody trade for him? You, you can't come back from this. Like, you can't put him back in the starter. I mean, you can if there's injuries. But 
that just don't that I've never seen that story work right. So he's done in Washington, pretty much for the most part. The question for them is, do they draft one of these top three? Do they take a Trey Lance? Do they try to get a Justin Fields? Do they hope they get the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes? The reasoning behind all this, other than Cal Allen fits the offense, they feel like their division is weak enough that they can still compete. But I, I don't want to throw away youth for, for trying to compete for any North uh, NFC East championship. Yeah, because, I mean, if you win the NFC East, you're losing in the first round. You're not, you're not, they weren't winning anything unless they're making the playoffs in a terrible division so far. Is it your goal? If that's not your goal, you, you stay with your young quarterback and give him a chance. So, all right, next up, here's, here's another question. We, we got, I got one more, two more questions in the NFL. <sighs> Man, why does everyone bag on Dak Prescott? Why does he always get the blame? It, it's like anything he does is never good enough. People try to find a way. He threw 500 yards. Yeah, but they were down by four. four. Uh, yeah, it's garbage time stats. How is that garbage? Your team's down. You got to wheel them back. And why is our team not good, Brent? They don't play defense. No, they they play defense. They don't do it very well. Again, okay. again, like they, I mean, they don't. It's not like they're not lining up anybody out there. They got people. And again, this is another one of those philosophies, right? I need to set my defense according to the personnel. Everything I'm hearing out of Dallas is this: it's too complicated. People are overthinking, and it shows. There's no way that each week, every week this season, somebody's gone down the field wide open and catch and caught a touchdown. Every week, that does not yeah. happen. Then you got OBJ running a touchdown for 50 yards after your offense just scored. That's what I call you need to change the defense to kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Hat on the hat, react, hit. Not, well, if he crosses this third and I'm in this third, I drop, you sink. Oh, I thought we were supposed to switch. And that's what it looks like. Miscommunications galore. Hey, OBJ been waiting for a big game. Bring on Dallas, right? Just to get him going three, three touchdowns, one rushing. Just bring him on in. But, yeah. It's two problems in Dallas. The biggest one is they don't play defense. Like you said, it's too complicated. They're not just getting back to the basics of playing defense. But the offensive coordinator doesn't open up the playbook and start just really working until they start getting killed. Like, this, they have firepower. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott. You got Dak at quarterback. Why does it take us? Michael Gallup. And then they got this Wilson kid, Cedric Wilson, coming in catching balls, been, too. You got impressing me. You got uh, Dalton Strutt, like this, the, the tight end. Like, Think about everybody I named, everybody you had on top of that. Sure, and they sorry. don't open up the playbook until they start losing. So, offensive coordinator, make an adjustment. Well, how, no, no, no. I got one better for you. Now, and again, this is what I, I'm still trying to evaluate. Is their offensive line not good enough to run block? And they're only better at pass blocking? Because my thing is, if you know your defense is bad, what don't you do, Brent? What you, should you never do when you have a bad defense? Just get up and throw the ball and go three and out real quick. That or try to score as fast as you can. Like, if you're scoring in four minutes, your defense is getting scored in three minutes, how about we try to dominate from the 80, from the 20 to the goal line and score, but take time off the clock. R ground and pound, hit short dink dunks, stay in the middle of the field, stop trying to go for the home run every swing. That's what's – like, think about it, that game. It was 7-0, 7-7, 14-7, 14-14. you had Dak had the turnover, Zeke had the turnover back-to-back, -back, and it was 28-14, just like that. And then in a NASCAR minute, jump, 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 you're back in that thing. You're like competing. But then you did that, put the weakest link back on the field, and bam, touchdown. Game pretty much over. And so I'm saying you would think smartness, right? And this is where Kellen Moore needs to get criticized. Stop criticizing Dak. Oh, he won't get paid. He, they're losing. They're one to three record. And for Jerry Jones, he needs to get this 
mess slapped out of him, right? I don't care how old he is. They say respect your elders. I cannot respect a man who was so piss poor ignorant when it comes to football X's and O's and walks around as if he had the Bible of how to be the best football dude in America. You had that guy, Jimmy Johnson. You fired him for your ego, and you've been piss poor, eight and eight, for 30 years. That's on you, Jerry Jones. When you sit there and say, well, Dak is not a – he's not a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes. No, Sherlock, because he doesn't have the personnel that puts people in the right position. What's the definition of insanity? Jerry Jones. That's the what the definition, definition letting, is. Letting the same person, you do the same thing over and over and expect different results. Why it's do we keep crazy. Jerry Jones to get this right? He's not going to ever get it right, period. He's not. I get it. Um, it, it, it just, whoo, man. It, well, it's frustrating because they want to blame Dak like, you know, he's the whole problem. You don't throw for 502 yards on accident. You don't, yeah, okay, he had the turnover. You want to get mad at that? Cool. But it wasn't like he, that was an Amari Cooper alligator. Eh, so. Hey, it's a long line before you get to Dak for the problem. It's a long line of defenders you got to go through to blame before you get to Dak right I, now. I get it. So, so it should, should the Dallas Cowboys make a change at defensive coordinator? Yes or no? Yes, because they got too much talent on the rest of that team that if they could just get their defense to operate at a normal level, the success level goes up immediately. So, yes. I'm going to go on the record and say this. I'm not going to hit the panic button just yet. I don't think Mike Nolan needs to get fired. I think he just needs to retool his situation and go back to simplicity football. We saw this last year. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you did. I don't know. But Kansas City Chiefs had these same issues. Their defense looked like Swiss cheese. They were leaky. By week nine or ten, things turned around. Their defense started making crucial stops because they Spagnuolo's defense is complicated, but he also tried to keep it simple, and then he made it exotic. If they can do that, they're fine because we know they can put up points. They just need two to three stops a game, and they'll be fine. We need more production from their defensive ends. Alden Smith is the best player, and he hasn't played football in five years. That's on player effort. Just like we talked with AD, effort is everything. Like, show me effort. I don't care if you knock your own guy out. But, again, this is where Jerry Jones kills you. He starts, you know, drafting dudes like Leighton Vander Esch who can't stay healthy. You pay Sean Lee, who never is healthy. Well, what do you expect? Everybody's always hurt. I get letting Byron Jones go because that would have been too much. Don't tell me about uh, Heath being back in the secondary. He was overrated, overstated. I think they should have went and got Earl Thomas, though. That man needs to be in Dallas ASAP. Yes. He, could, he could fill up the box, stop the run, helps you out with your linebackers. But, hey, we can't sit there. Next question. When should Miami Dolphins hand over the keys to Tua? I'm not going to say we're there yet, but I think soon. I mean, I say give it two more games. If we stay the same with Fitzpatrick and everything stays the same, let's start developing for the future. You know, it's time. You know what I mean? But I – I, like you said, I want to make sure he's fully healthy, you know, from the injury at, at, at Alabama. Give him a little bit more time to get acclimated to the NFL. Just watch two more games or so, a little bit longer if you can. No rush. I think a couple more games. They're not going anywhere, right? They're not going anywhere. Brian Flores is built for the future. Like you said, he's, a, he's the one of those bright spots that came out of New England. So I think you can take a couple more games. If, if Fitzpatrick does do anything differently, which he probably won't, let me make that clear, go ahead and get to an answer what he can do. I agree with you. It, it's very important that they make sure you don't throw him to the wolves. But I think at some point you just got to do it. Like Fitzpatrick has played enough football in the NFL. If he's not getting it done, it's not going to happen. So put into a, so long as he's healthy, not to injure the man and just go from there. But I, I feel like it's one of those things where they're waiting. It's going to happen sooner than later because you didn't draft him as high as you did to have him sit on the bench when 
even if you're not competing for a chip right now, you're just like, okay, let me get you some experience. Because look at it, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're playing pretty well in their respective situations. And Joe Burrow's not in the best team in America. So it's, it's not like I don't, I don't think Tua could not do it. So let's just try to get there. All right, well, let's wrap that up. On to third down. This is where we react to games of the week. We picked a couple out that stood out to us. First up, Cleveland versus Dallas. It was a shootout and a revival source for OBG. OBJ, give credit to Estefanski. He ran the ball. He got his playmakers the ball in the spots he needed. Next, Philadelphia at San Francisco. Using practice squad players isn't that bad for Philadelphia. Helped get the win. Wide receiver Fulgham catches game-winning touchdown, game, set, match. Cincinnati versus Jacksonville. Oh, Burrow, that boy is balling. He's playing better than I expected. I stand corrected. I know that uh, Colin, Colin, uh, what's his name? Colin, um, Coward. Coward. They're these eat crow because he was bagging on Joe. I, I wasn't feeling him. He's doing it. Los Angeles Chargers versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Tom, looking like Tampa Tom. First come from, come from behind victory for him with the Buccaneers. Arizona at Carolina. Expected Arizona to go in there and get a win. Carolina said not today. Hit him with the upset shocker. Kyle, Kyler Murray did not have a good game. So. Real, real quick on those. Let me hit on a couple of those. Just a couple real quick I want to jump on. Hey, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow is offensive line and another weapon or top-notch tight end from being really special down there, I think, on that one. Uh, Got to give my boy Tom Brady a shout-out. Five touchdowns, you know what I mean, up there in that uh, that Tampa Bay offense that you were talking about. You know, he wasn't going to do well in. Give him a little credit there. You know, and then uh, the other one, Matt Rule. He may be building something down there in Carolina. You said Matt Rule had a chance to win that game last week. I didn't think they did. I want to give him a shout-out because, hey, they, that was solid what Carolina did out there to Kyler Murray in that offense. Matt Rule is every bit of a football coach. So that's why he got that yeah. job in Carolina. Um, he, we, I've seen it when he was at Temple, what he did with, for Baylor. He is a guy who understands how to put people in position to succeed. He is a football coach that works. So <clears throat> with that being said, we skipped second, second down this week with Mike Meters, Mike Droppers. But I wanted to bring up one thing. If I were going to talk about Mike Meters, it's to the NFL. I do not, and Brent, you chip in, chime in where you want to. I do not like how you've handled the COVID protocol process. You're finding coaches for not wearing the mask, yet they've been tested. So which one is it? If you really were that staunch on the mask, you should have put them all in a bubble. There's no way you can have upwards to 100 people per team, players and personnel and staff operating, going to their own homes and doing their own thing, and then coming back to a facility and not expect – COVID to pop up. The only I, thing I'll say, the only thing I'll say on this real quick, um, what do we say? The NFL COVID protocols didn't have a real backup plan. They're like, hey, I'll retest them. Maybe we can play Monday. Maybe we can play Tuesday. Oh, never mind. We'll give you a bye week. And so Pittsburgh lost in that situation. There's no real plan. You, you didn't have a plan like, hey, if it's this many or these people can't play, we move it, we do this, we have this plan. It was no plan. The plan was how oh, we'll have enough to play every week. No, 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 Brent, they did have a plan, I'm, and I'm going to tell you right now. The NFL chief medical officer, Alan Seals, he emphasized during a call this week that infections are inevitable, but if, a team, if teams follow all protocols, the infections will be contained. That was his philosophy. Where he got that, I don't know. You can't contain something that has no container. Thank There's you, no man. lid on it. So no ha had, you no made each team, had you made each team bubble in their own city. Thank you and then you fly to your games, then that's a, that's a container on a lid. The only time it opens is when you go to play each other. 
but you know that the 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 virus can't penetrate if they're not going anywhere. Exactly. It's it sounds sucky, but NFL, NHL did it. We've seen the same thing with MLB. There's no way to get around it. Cam got it. Now Stephen Gilmore got it. it. It's like the Kansas City Chiefs are in a pickle. They just got through playing a team that had COVID, right? And the Patriots, they, you know, that's what they test. And they move their game. Then, they, then they're going to play another team, the Raiders, who just popped up with COVID. So what do you want them to do? Like, you can't keep doing, oh, uh, you, what would you give you a bye week? That's not going to work. That's not a plan. That's a reaction. A plan is protocol, check this. So let me tell you, this is what people are just saying. Some suspect that the league isn't pushing a bubble approach because the NFL Players Association refuses to agree to it which only means that they made some demands that the NFL won't make, so they like to blame the NFL PA. Two, the NFL doesn't want to have to make the concessions, as I said, it needed to secure the agreement, although the NFL PA should want to put players in a safe uh, situation. But people say that. It's like, if you do a job, you should want to do it because it's best for your job. But I shouldn't have to lose myself and not be taken care of properly when we're all in this thing together. You're making billions, I'm making hundred thousands to a million billionaires need to step up and do what the NBA did. Hey, I'm going to have to lose something to make sure I ensure this. Right now, we don't know if we're going to end the season. Number three, this is a kicker right here. It, it also states that the NFL, right, <clears throat> is the league will do whatever it has to do to get games played. And that's why the NFLPA is, NFL is like, hey, no, you want us to play regardless, just like they wanted to play 18 games. We want these concessions. If you do, if you want what you want, we want what I want, let's meet in the middle or let's not meet at all. That's kind of how these things work. And sometimes with the NFL owners, unlike the NBA, they're so old and foggy, they have that mindset that y'all should do what we, we want you to do. We're paying you instead of saying what's best for the brand, what's best for the shield. No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on all that. I've, I've said it the whole time we talked about this. Look, I've always said they don't have a real plan, they have a real backup plan. We're really not going to do the right things to have an NFL season. Like you said, if they wanted to really, really do it, make the concessions that the Players Association wants, do the bubble concept best as possible, do something. I've never felt they had a real solid plan. And you know what, when you don't have a real solid plan, go check the NFL. You'll see what's happening right now. It's the exact definition of not having a real plan in place or a backup plan. They never yeah, had. Things are, things are up. Topsy Tarvey, don't know one week's the next. All right, let's move on to fourth down. Straight up, this is where we pick the games of the upcoming week, which is week five of the NFL. Straight up, no odds, no points. It is what it is. We'll give you our take. Brent, start with Thursday night football. Your Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Chicago Nick Foles or Trubisky Bears. Who are you with? Who you got? I don't care if Nick Foles is in there. They're not ready to beat the Buccaneers. The way the Buccaneers are starting to click, slowly getting better. Brady's getting better in the offense. Buccaneers win it. I'm going Chicago just because they're the monsters of the midway. I don't care who's the quarterback. Tom's about to have another funky game. I'm going Chicago. Carolina at Atlanta, the loser bowl. Carolina. Carolina just showed what they could do with, with, the, with the coaching leadership against uh, Arizona. Atlanta ain't showed me anything they can do anytime, so Carolina. I'm going with ATL Georgia because I feel like you can only be kicked and beat down so much and for so long. And sometimes when you win one, you lose them because you get too excited. I'm going to land. I'm just throwing spaghetti to the wall. Next up, Buffalo at Tennessee. Man, I, I'm going to go Buffalo just because their defense is playing lights out. Josh Allen's still getting it done. I don't keep waiting for them to fall off, but they, they, holding, it, they holding it down right now in the AFC East. I'm with you. I've been betting against them all year. This time I'm joining them and the advantage is Tennessee ain't practice. So Buffalo has the advantage. So I'm going Buffalo. <laughs> Las Vegas at Kansas City. If the game happens, if there were no COVID, who would you pick? Kansas City locked in, man. 
you said Super Hangover, this and that. First team to start four and zero. What straight four straight years to start four and zero? Chiefs locked in, man. I'm going with Kansas City. I didn't ask you to remind me, remind me what I said. I know what I said, and I was wrong, obviously. So I can say that I'm a big boy. So I'm going Kansas City as well until they lose it. Arizona at the Jets. Come on, man. I'm never going to pick the Jets. Arizona. Once again, uh, I don't know if I told you this. I'm wrong a lot uh, just because sometimes I'm a hope, hopeful person. I went with the Jets last week. Never again. Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Philadelphia at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, man. They didn't have extra time off because, you know, this COVID by more practice, more preparation. And Pittsburgh is a better team. You keep saying COVID. Let's keep it 100. You're not going to win back-to-back weeks with practice squad players. You may have got the 49ers <laughs> because they played Nick Mullins, but you're not going to play – the Pittsburgh Steelers with practice players and get away with it. So I'm going Pittsburgh. Next up, Los Angeles Rams at Washington Redskins. Oh, Kyle Allen coming in? Yeah, Los Angeles. Listen, I don't want to jinx myself, but, yeah, I don't care what quarterback you got in there. You're not, you're not ready for this, Washington. So I'm going L.A. Rams. Cincinnati at Baltimore. Intriguing. <clears throat> uh, Baltimore. <laughs> I like Joe Burrow. I like what he's building. But, you know, the Ravens are now Burrows for the future. I'm going with Cincinnati. I do not believe in Baltimore. As I said before, I don't trust coaches that try to make people play the way they want instead of to their strengths. I'm going Burrow and the Bengals. Next up, Jacksonville at Houston. I'm going to go to Houston. You said either they're going to sink or they're going to rally around, right? I think they're going to rally around uh, Romeo this week and get that win. I'm going Houston, even though Jacksonville normally plays Houston tough in Reliant, I'm going with Houston just because I, I just want to. I just, there's no rhyme or reason. I want to see Deshaun get a win. Um, he deserves it. So, and it's a celebratory, hey, we just kicked. Uh, we, ha- we, had to, we just have to, you know, get one for Romeo and kick it up. Miami at San Francisco. Man, this will be a good time to let Tua play, but he's not there yet. Uh... I'm going to just take San Francisco because they're at home. I don't really got a great reason. That's how I feel. I hear you. So, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to go with Miami. If the Philadelphia Eagles can do it, why not the Dolphins? All right, next up, we have Indianapolis at Cleveland. Indy? Mm, no, Cleveland. Cleveland looked good. The Cowboy, I can't take Cowboys as, a, as any measure to come for what the defense did, but I think Cleveland is actually clicking, so I'm going to go with Cleveland. Um, yeah, I'm not going to use too much of the Cowboys game. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt because we know they don't have a defense. But I'm also looking at that Ed Stefanski has a plan in place, run the ball, minimize Baker Mayfield from minimizing, from maximizing his recklessness, and you're utilizing your weapons. And Indianapolis has a quarterback that's turning the ball over like a, a soft-serve ice cream machine. So I'm going Cleveland. New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys, the Jerry Jones average eight naders. Hey, the Cowboys need a chance to get a, a win and get back on track. Just play the Giants. I got the Cowboys. I'm going to say something that I know I'm going to regret, but I'm picking the Giants. Wow. And then all hell's going to break loose in Dallas. <laughs> if they lose, it will. Yes. Next up, Denver at New England. Uh, if Cam is back, I got New England. If Cam is not back, I got New England. Yeah, this it don't matter if Cam plays or not. Um, I think Stidham could win this game against the Broncos. It's at home, I'm going to New England. Minnesota at Seattle, it's a Sunday night game. Seattle. Russell Wilson's locked in. They, what they're doing is special. They, I don't see them losing. I'm with you. I can't pick Minnesota anymore because they don't have a plan either. They're out there throwing hopes to the win. 
Last but not least, Los Angeles Chargers at New Orleans Saints. I don't know why I still believe Drew Brees can get it done, even though I think Herbert, the way he's looking in with the Chargers, got a good chance to pull off the upset, but I'm going to stick with the Saints at home. They, they're usually solid at home. I know ain't no home. It ain't the home for the advantage for typical with the COVID year, but still think they win at home. All right, well, that wraps up the NFL, and that wraps this edition of Drop the Mic Sports Talk. So glad that you're listening to us. Keep letting us bring that flavor to your ear because we're trying to give you that gravy and that sauce so you can be the boss on the streets so you know what you're talking about. As always, it's what we do, giving you our take on sports. Keep it locked to Dropping the Mic Sports Talk, and to do that, subscribe to our show on your favorite platform. If you don't know, let me remind you. Our platforms are Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Anchor.fm. Also, connect with us on social media. We're at, on Twitter. Our handle is DTMST6. Instagram is DTM underscore ST. And as always, catch us on Facebook at DTM Sports Talk. And if you just want to holler at us, send us an email. Send us your thoughts at DTM.SportsTalk at gmail.com. To get more information about the show, that's all you got to do. Drop a line, we'll holler back. It's been fun. It's been real. And as always, keep it locked on dropping the mic.